Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There were no decisive battles in World War II, wrote the historian Phillips O'Brien. In his view, the traditional use of set pieces acting as turning points was illusory. The superior Allied resources and planning was always going to prove critical in the end. And so, in the midst of an apparent dogfight in the Scottish Premier Division in late 1993, only one club really had the power to make the difference. How Rangers escaped a supposedly tight race and get into some clear blue water is the story of the winter and early spring of 93-94 and I'm joined by Andy McGowan to talk about that. How are we Andy? I'm fine Martin, glad to be here. I'm glad to have you and after wrestling with technology we've got John Cowden all the way from Athens. How are we John? I'm fine. You're calm now. Heart rate, heart rate is down. (laughs) Okay, so a few interesting things to talk about from, from this this section of 93-94. Can I start kind of in the middle or maybe um, nearer the beginning of it, in, on the 11th of December um, 1993? Uh, we're done the United visited Ibrox. Now, I want to talk a wee bit about Ivan Golach, um, their Croatian manager replacing Jim McLean who went upstairs uh, to be effective chairman uh, and and listen if, if Mark Cately was undoubtedly Scotland's star player then then Golach was definitely the newcomer of the season um, and I think it's fair to say you know McLean was actually quite an underrated forward thinker when it came to training and the way his teams played and prepared but it's impossible to see big Jim um, stopping training, stopping a drill, and taking his player, uh, his, his players round to smell the flowers of of the the country park that they were training in, which is what Golak would do. Um, his United side, it's probably fair to say, could be anything on their day. They could be um, superb. They could be absolutely ridiculously bad. But he, he was a 
copy machine. He was an absolute surefire quote winner, and the press loved him because he was colourful and an otherwise pretty grey, um, let's say, unremarkable season in Scotland. They they could not get enough of him. Um, Celtic opted for Liam Brady um, over Golak uh, around that time um, in 1991, um, but the press would sometimes twist his words a wee bit. They said, that, or he said, that, that Rangers were on the slide and he had to correct that, saying, how can I say that? With the resources they have, the reserve side could, could live easily here. However, um, he did say that this Rangers juggernaut could be caught. People talk about how much Rangers dominated in the past, he said, but it is different this season. Rangers are still good, of course, but others have got better. You can tell by the by the closeness of the league. People don't want the same team running away with everything every year, and Dundee United will definitely be in at the finish. Big talk, Andrew, for a club that was seventh in the table at the time of asking, but uh, after 21 minutes at Ibrox, they looked all right for that kind of proclamation. I, uh, this game was a... I was going to say it's a shock. We'd lost three or four games already by that point in the season, but it was a manner of going three down so quickly at home to, to, to Dundee United, to anybody. Um, on Golak, you're correct, it was something different. And looking back now with the hindsight of decades, it, it strikes me as quite incredible how McLean, McLean was a kingmaker at Dundee United, mm-hmm. McLean picked Golak because you would think that a guy that was as methodical and um, I know you're saying he's a forward thinker but the same token he could you could argue he was, he was stuck in his ways a lot and it was his way of the highway in terms of discipline if, he was but training methods yeah, and, yeah. and fitness he, no, he, he yeah yeah he, he didn't quite get the credit because yeah. of his his manner and his his kind of public yes, persona correct. Uh, but this game maybe yeah. pick somebody in his own mould but that yeah. certainly wasn't the case with Golak no absolutely wasn't um, John before we get into the details of this game, and, and, and we certainly revisit Dundee United uh, next week, your your thoughts on on goal like that season? What what you can remember? Because as I said, the press couldn't get enough of them. Even if sometimes they lampooned these kind of hippieish methods, um, you know, it wasn't another, it wasn't another McLean, Jim or Tommy. It wasn't um, John Lambie. You know that this was something something very different. Yeah, he was he was box office, but he could could never have survived at the old firm. Dare uh, I say he was almost like Pedro? Mm. Um, so it, and that that's not disparaging against Golajer and did against Pedro. It's just these kind of managers could never survive with their sound bites in the spotlight of the old firm, particularly when the old firm you you that half of the old firm is doing badly. So, yeah, he, he was a fun character. He brought greyness. But he was one of those guys, almost like, did I say, Chick Charlie, where it's fine to turn up and play yeah. one game in five and everybody raves about you. And the other four, well, there's only two men in the dog actually watching you. And it's against, you know, Dinferm and East Fife and the Tayside Cup or whatever. I, I don't know. In terms of McLean, he was a brilliant coach. I mean, he was just a dreadful man-manager. But mm. in terms of vision and how to do things, yeah, you don't expect him to pick somebody like Golach, but then would you have expected him to do half the things he did throughout his career? Mm. He, he was a guy that did the unexpected and 
again, he was a man, I think we dodged the bullet in 84, uh, 83, November 83. He would never, he was another one who would never have survived at the old firm because he would have just have been destroyed by the press, by the fans and everything. But uh, as a coach, as a guy who could spot talent, I mean, you look at who came through that Dundee United kind of thing. I mean, he was able to spot mm. a player and players who were, <laughs> i.e. the one we signed in Duncan Ferguson, mm. who weren't, you know, uh, the prefect or the top boy. You know, there was some tasty guys coming through there. And, he, he, you know, even Ralph Mill, whatever. He did, he did pick weird flair players as well all along the way, but no, goal act was fun, uh, as I recall, because you'd pick up the paper and it'd make you smile, which not a lot of the rest of Scottish football was doing at that point. We weren't doing that much, but arguably we were providing much more than anybody else. Unless you want to say let's all laugh at Celtic, yeah. But you would argue Golach was doing it in a relatively positive way, and in many ways he was right. Mm. I mean, you you look at it historically, but even if you look at it at the time, was Rangers November '93 the same Rangers as February March '93 or November '92? I don't think any of us could have said we were. So we weren't. We were on. Whether it was slimed was temporary and we were about to bounce back or whether it was permanent, that was for the future at that point. Fact was, we are not as good a team at this point as we had been 12 months previously. Yeah, there's no doubt and therefore that. he was. He was. Uh, he just yeah, got blown up maybe a wee bit more than, than he anticipated. But right on the eve of that game, just to give some kind of context, Dundee United, as I said, are in seventh, but they're only five points behind us. Uh, top uh, Rangers will get 27 points you can then get Aberdeen and Celtic on 25 along with Motherwell on 25 who have a game in hand Hibs are in 5th place with 23 Kilmarnock with 22 alongside United so uh, we, when's the last time this can happen 89, 90 in this series uh, where you've got this kind of congestion around this time of year um, but there's a feeling Rangers are kind of getting back into some kind of stride after that Celtic defeat um, which of course we we, we left last uh, week with uh, there was a two two draw uh, away to Hearts um, in midweek. Hately had scored two goals. Then we beat Kilmarnock away. Dundee at home. A couple of other stupid draws. At home to Wraith Rovers again. Hately scored both goals two two. Um, a uh, an away draw at Partick Thistle. Um, and a very important 1-0 win away to Hibs. But it, things were, were, were starting to pick up pace. There's two other games that I'll come back to in a moment. But United come here, um, by 20 seconds they're ahead. Um, Dave Bowman in plenty of space, Maxwell coming out, disaster. Um, 60 minutes, um, it, it's it's Paddy Connolly actually that's, that's causing all sorts of problems with his pace. Um, he beats the high line, Maxwell has no chance, he finishes very nicely, Dave McPherson goes off injured, um, or maybe it's Richard Goff, because they, they, they all um, both actually, both actually have their, their issues, yeah, but one goes off there, then there's a third, uh, where again, McPherson just absolute nonsense, uh, in the Rangers box that Craig Brewster taps in, he says, the easiest goal I have ever scored, 
Um, well, Maxwell and Cole would give Laurel and Hardy a run for their money and present them with an easier one before the season was even out. But but yeah, McPherson Goff coming off with again muscle knocks, and it kind of got I say bad from uh, bad to worse. It, it finished three 0 nothing happened in terms of the, the score line. Um, but but in the second half, Gordon Petrich. Um, elbows Ian Ferguson, which doesn't get caught. Ferguson reacts. He spits on Petrich, which does get caught on camera. Um, and he gets sent off. Uh, this was this was right before my 13th birthday, and I, I was furiously hit with how bad, bad Rangers had been, because I, I had a party that night. My, my party was all supposed to be about me. Uh, and Golach at the end said, you know, we, we're on our way to the top of the league, and, you know, there's only three points behind Rangers. And if you put a, if you stuck a pin in that, Andy, right at that night, you say, "Oh, this is just typical." It's the fourth home defeat, more defensive calamity, more injuries, and now some indiscipline to boot. Um, there's only three points separating seven sides in the middle of December. Celtic are only a point behind. It's kind of making a mockery of this claim of of Rangers superiority and indeed Celtic catastrophe. Um. And you know that you could make an argument there, couldn't you? That that this um, doesn't really look like what we're we're presenting on this show. However, it does turn out to be a bit of a mirage. This, as league tables often can be, that's you know, that's why the only one that matters is, is 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 the one at the end. But this defeat was the only defeat in thirty-one games between that heart, uh, the, the the Celtic um, defeat. Um, and April the 26th and it's just it was a wobble, it was a notable wobble, it made all the headlines um, but we actually were into the swing of things by then I think you're right the, you know, the, the name of the show is dominant and if you looked at it at this point in time you certainly would not have thought there was ever going to be, it was going to be part of a show of that title my recollection at the time Martin was that I wouldn't say it was panic stations. It wasn't even close to panic stations. I think probably more would be the thought process that look how bad we have been, how stuttering we've been, and we're still top of the table. And it it was really a case of if we ever decide to to hit any kind of form or top gear, then we'll we'll strip away from the rest. Um, I don't think Dundee United were ever a serious challenger. I think uh, that that day you might have thought, well, you know, anything could happen. It was a freak game. High lines, high defensive lines, two injured centre-halves, Alan Maxwell having a nightmare, Paddy Paddy Conley having the game of his life. What kind of happened? These happen from time to time. I'm thinking about years later with Ivan Sproul play like Maradona. Yeah, uh, yeah. I broke for him, stuff like that. So... It was a sore one, and, and you know, the more um, alarmist amongst our support would have been ringing bells that night. But I do think that the overall feeling was, we're bad, but who's going to stop us because we're still top of the league. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just that it's the, it's the fourth home defeat. So at, at this moment yes. in time, I can understand Rangers fans going... What what is happening here? And the defence, and I include the goalkeeper, of course, in that unit, is just a disaster. Again, more injuries, more calamity. Uh, this is starting to feel typical. Um, but as we would know by February, March, there was no real need for fear. And the signs were there already. The biggest sign, John, um, I would argue, happened on the 23rd of November, 
when Smith finally got a player that Rangers had tried to sign five times before that, which was Gordon Jury, coming from Spurs for, for £1.2 million. Pounds. Money and timing uh, were the reasons that Smith gave for the deals falling through before. Graham Soon is starting that. He tried to get him from Chelsea. But the time had been right, actually, for a number of weeks for Jury. He had fallen out with uh, the Spurs manager at the time, Ozzy Ardiles. Um, he was substituted in a Coca-Cola Cup tie against Blackburn Rovers. Um, he swore at the manager as he came off. He was fined. He was given a chance to train with the youth team. Um, but a Rangers man, he took this opportunity um, when it absolutely suited all parties. And I guess with this, John Rangers were assured experience, work rate, and some much-needed goals. They were prolific, but he would score, and he would score some kind of key goals over this this run to give Hately a rest because Hately was pretty much carrying a team on his back by this point. Yeah, I mean it, it sounds nowadays pretty glamorous if you're picking up somebody who's played for Chelsea and then Spurs in terms of the top echelon. This wasn't us competing with the top English teams for talent. But what he did do, and there's an argument for saying we should have signed him much earlier, somewhere before, let's not go back over that stuff. But he gives you goals against the teams that you need somebody to just give you goals. You know, uh, Whether he can do it at the highest, highest level is, will be in the future, but you pretty know, much know you're going to get a lot of energy. And in the Scottish League, he's going to batter in a few, few against the majority of teams. And that's what we absolutely need because McCoy's is in that period and it tends to happen, doesn't it? You know, a broken leg, you come back, you pull a muscle, you do this. I think you'd have hair in there. Always happens yeah. after those serious things. All sorts of the rest of the body seem to go. And actually for McCoy's, it lasts quite a while. I mean, it lasts probably another 18 months, really. Get mm. with coming through. And he just comes in, and, he, and he's different. He, as I say, we get rid of McSwiggin in the summer. I'm not saying Gary McSwiggin was brilliant, but he wasn't bad. McCoy's got the broken leg. Durant is used sparingly. I mean, all we have is two target men up front. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've stuck up for Duncan. But there is a, a strong case for saying, where was a plan in having a plan B? I mean, we were in Warburton territory of if plan A doesn't work with Hately, then plan, plan A is going to work with Ferguson because the two of them are so similar. Where is this other player? And suddenly we have this other player coming in. He was a Scottish international. I think he's getting picked fairly regularly at this no, point. He is, yeah. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's scoring goals, but he's, as you see, he's not prolific. But that's international level and the English Premiership, as I guess it will be at this point. He's going to score goals for up here, and he knows what it's about because he was, he was more than we'd looked. I think Joe Wallace looked at him when he was playing with Hibs before he went down south. So you also know that he can handle the Scottish League, which, you know, we all laugh at when you're in. It's easy to bring in players when it's we're top of the league and dancing about Mel Sterling like or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is bringing in somebody when we're in the midst of a. I think a paper-induced mini-crisis, you would say. But really, I mean, I, I remember looking, because I was, I'm staying down south at this point, and there is a degree of objectivity you get when you're not in the West of Scotland press Monday to Friday. 
And we've lost four games, but they've all been kind of freak shows. Was it last injury time? B. Kelly injury Couple time. Celtic, B. Yeah. B. Tins, Late for Motherwell as well. Yeah. yeah, you know this game. Where I'm not sure McPherson and, and Goff were that injured. I think one of them might have been. I watched it today again. Goff's running off, mm. and he doesn't look injured running off. And as he goes up the tunnel, he shouts something at Smith, who point blank ignores him. You know, and you're thinking, and I don't think Maxwell's that bad this day. He's had his moments. First goal you could make, but I mean, he's having to play sweeper because the other two are absolutely brutal. And it just feels like another one of those freak shows. It feels like losing four three at Dens Park the previous season. And the other thing Andy's alluded to is you really begin to think this is as bad as we're going to get. Yeah. I mean, how many more? Bro- you know, unless broke a mirror, walked under a ladder or whatever. <laughs> this is as bad as we get and yet nobody is 10 points clear of this. Yeah. You know, nobody's put in that spurt and won 5, 6, 7 and up and on the bounce to take them clear. They're all within touching distance at best of us, if not we're ahead. You know, and the Tims are in one of their daft runs because they get a new manager and you know, Skip Timalou's doing the business. Everybody knows, you know, Carl Morgan, Christopher or Wayne Biggins, you know, Gary <laughs> Gillespie, Tona, Caravan behind them. Then, we've seen these runs from them before, some lovely results, but you know they've not got a 20-game streak in them at this point, unless there's no pressure. So, it's more just, I think we took, we finished one of the other, get the kind of, Last one we were on with that Kilmarnock where it just makes Saturday night awful. It certainly made that Saturday <laughs> night awful, I can, awful. I can promise you. Um, opening birthday presents with my face tripping me. Um, Richard Goff was rushed back actually for that, that Dundee United game so uh, he wasn't expected to be fit but, but Smith kind of maybe one of those, he fit Richard? Yeah, yeah, definitely and yeah, he, he, he maybe wasn't, we've, we've seen that before and since. Andy, can you remember your, your your reaction to Jury signing, we're maybe getting used to this with Smith. He'd brought Gordon in November time a couple of years before because he felt Rangers needed something. This, this idea of a kind of winter, Christmas, early Christmas present. Uh, let me see, we had guys like you know, Eric Boanderson in, in, in years to come that, that would come in and just get some get some goals, tide us over and, and kind of move on before such things were banned with, with transfer windows. But um, as, as John said, Scottish internationalist, been linked before, um, and with the, 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 the run of luck we're having with injuries, we must have been thinking, God, if Hately pulls up, we didn't big bother here. Uh, you're right, the Christmas present, winter Christmas present was a thing. <laughs> it was almost expected. I think the jury signing... Um, was a signal or a, a kind of measure of how spoiled we were. Because mm. here we were signing a, a very, very good, more than solid Premiership, well, it wasn't a Premiership then, but English First Division striker. Uh, would it be the Premiership? Yeah, it was just, the Premiership, uh, they're in their second season. Was it was just 92, 93, wasn't it? So, and it was, it was familiar to us, but there wasn't a wall-to-wall coverage of English football at that point, unless you had Sky TV... But it was a really, really good signing. He was a strong, strong player. You know, more than competent in all areas. 
And the fact that we got them, it was probably more a case that we'd been linked to them for so long that it went without any great fanfare. But it was a great signing. It was a really good signing, a really good time. And as you, as you, you know from this um, coverage of this season, Haley's carrying us completely. If you take Haley out of the equation here, then to go back to the, the, the talk about would we win the league or what would we be thinking about, we would be in trouble. So Jury, jury signing was... Um, it was a masterstroke, to be quite honest with you, and uh, it was long in the making. We'd always been linked to him. It ought to be, when you say it was always expected to happen at some point, but uh, when it happened, it happened at a really, really good time for us in this season. Yeah. The two league games before that, that Dundee United shock uh, were probably more evidence of what's going to happen than the Dundee United shock, and Jury's impact is, is pretty much immediate. Rangers played Aberdeen and, and Motherwell at home. Um, both could have gone top if they'd, they'd beaten Rangers. Uh. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm sorry, not at home. They played Motherwell for Park. Both could have gone ho- uh, top if they'd beaten Rangers in these games. And Rangers responded. You know, the, the, we've not got the Dundee United knowledge yet, but, you know, we have dropped these points. Celtic, uh, that Celtic defeat is in the mind. And, you know, there were absolutely no gimmies. Um, but Rangers beat Aberdeen 2-0, were superb that night, uh, Jury's movement was was noticeable, and Hately was allowed then to torment Michael Watt uh, again with two powerful goals. Rangers then went to Fur Park on the Saturday, early December, and Jury um, got one in each half, Rangers won 2-0. Again, powerful running, powerful awareness, um, and just giving Rangers an extra threat than just Hately or maybe Ian Ferguson from, from the edge of the box. Um, the response to the United defeat was pretty immediate. Rangers went up to St. Johnson, won 4-0. All four goals were headers. Hately got two, Jury got one, Trevor Stephen got one on the ground. He somehow managed to head the ball home while it was still on the turf. Um Interesting that that game kind of sums up Rangers' attacking route, John, because we scored 30 of our 74 league goals that season, over 40%, um, with headers. Uh, and that's 10% higher than the, the, the previous campaign. Probably shouldn't be a surprise given, as I said, we have Hately running the thing. Um, we're setting up it sometimes with two target men. Um, but I always think... Right, it serves as well, I and mean, we we get over this this period when we're we're, we're backs against the wall. But Haley was m- much more than just that. But Scottish football being in the way it is, there's the big in just lump it up, and we'll we'll, we'll kind of make the most of it. Um, we just seem to get used to playing that way, and Jury could head uh, as well as I said, but he he just gave a wee bit a wee bit more. Um, but again, no one will no one will write poetry about much of, of this season's play? No, but it's also symptomatic, is it not, of what our squad is like. There isn't a lot of creativity, but actually where you maybe do have creativity is is wide. Mm. 
Gary Stevens isn't really doing, but could cross the ball. Miko has Robertson, Trevor Stephen, Hustra, Miko. Yeah. So, I mean, to score it, it's not. I mean, he's not getting headers back to back to goal. We're getting yeah, yeah. down the sides and and whipping it across, but. You know, before when you'd met McCoyst and Hately, it offered you more interplay or whatever, but when it was either Hately on his own or Hately and Ferguson until Jury turns up, all we can do is cross it, you know, whether it be diagonal or get to it. I mean, well, it, it's just symptomatic of where we are. I mean, the other thing which is fascinating, just and I hadn't spotted it until now, all the points we are dropping are when we play teams in the bottom half of the league or close to. Even when Celtic beat us, they're on, yeah. they're on a downer. When we have to... You've just named the, 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 t- the league table at the beginning and you've just said it was Motherwell, Hibs and Aberdeen and they're the three teams we've just beat before Dundee United who are in seventh. Hmm. We... I think that's the other thing subconsciously to Scottish football but also to fans is when we have to turn up for a game against somebody who could put a marker down in this, we swat them aside. When there is nothing at stake, the adrenaline doesn't seem to throw through the flow through this team, and that's when bad things happen. Uh, I, I hadn't struck me until, you know, we dropped points against Wraith Rovers, yeah, dropped yeah. points against Partick Thistle. I mean, you're going, and then you're saying the top that we've played in, also in this period, the three teams beside us at the top of the league, and we'll beat every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, because you know, Mother One Aberdeen, Mother One Aberdeen gave us, um, well, certainly Aberdeen gave us an absolute hiding um, yeah. in, in September. But this is the traditional period we're used to now, and Andy's mentioned one reason why because we'll, we'll strengthen. But what we are used to is Rangers just powering through, and that that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, just after Christmas, we we drop. I don't know, it was an injury time penalty um, that, that that dropped a point against Hearts, another 2-2 against Hearts, another Hately double, absolutely bullying Davy Weir amongst others, or young Davy Weir uh, amongst others, to, to get those two goals. Hugmany then, Rangers are in second place, one point behind Aberdeen on 31 points, and ahead of Motherwell and Celtic with 29 and 28 respectively, but who had played one game fewer. The table again presenting this tight and competitive picture as the New Year trip to the East End lay in store. So, although beleaguered off the pitch, Lou McCarry's Celtic were unbeaten on his watch and they talked up the chances of a title during the festive break. He said they didn't think there was any real gap between the sides in October. Jim Trainer, good old Jim, in his preview said that it was, and I quote, impossible to see Rangers taking even a point from Parkhead his match report would end up significantly different. Apparently by the time he wrote that, it was never on to believe that Gillespie and Dovchek would put the frighteners on a player of Hately's confidence and power. McCarry reminded his defenders at their female base in preparation what to expect and how to respond and apparently there were some nods belying the nerves and fears that the current fragile optimism could evaporate in a matter of seconds. 64 seconds to be precise. There's McCall. Hately is onside. A great chance for Rangers right at the start of the match. And Hately scores! The most dramatic opening for the Ulfa match. It's goal number 21 of the season. And it's scored in just 58 seconds. Rangers supporters jubilant. The Celtic defence think that Hately was offside. 
settling in process has not yet been completed for either side as Jury breaks there. That's great play. Neil Murray's in the clear. It's a great chance for the second. Murray against Bonner. And here's Mikhanichenko. It's number two for Rangers. And once again, the square defence has been breached. And this time, there was no question of Murray being offside. Mikhanichenko has scored. There's the pass, Murray goes through the middle, you could have driven a bus through the Celtic defence. He kept his head here, but Bonard does extremely well to make the initial block. And there's Mikhanichenko for the accurate finish. Stephen making a good run across to the left. Tackled by Collins, advantage allowed with Rangers in possession. There's Haitley again, now Judy. And the third scored by Mikhanichenko. And once again, the Celtic defence was ripped asunder. 29 minutes on the clock. And Mikhanichenko reacted very swiftly to Topok the ball home. This is Judy. Strong enough and quick enough to go past Gillespie. There's Kuznetsov. That's the fall. Settled it all right. Oleg Kuznetsov with that dipping body. There are just 14 minutes left for play. Right, gentlemen, um, the 4 2 win uh, at Parkhead. Um, were you both there? John, you, you would have been there. Absolutely. Yeah. Andy? One of the best. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I was there all right. New Year's Day. Um, it's incredible. We nearly managed to squeeze Miko in before Hately runs through. Uh, so that that's that that's how open that Celtic were. Again, maybe this feeds into this bigging themselves up. No, we we can take on Rangers, uh, and it was it was heaven. Um, those, those opening twenty nine or so minutes, John, three um, nil up. Um, Hately just powering through Jock Brown. I don't know if he's furious at what he's seeing, um, but he, he said, you know, he could have driven a bus through that Celtic defence. He could have driven two, I think. Um, they, they, it was just scandalous the the, the kind of um, line that they were they were setting up with. Um, explain just just what what kind of delirium you were in by um, half past three on New Year's Day. It's what you dream of. I think it was probably the best experience I've ever had at at Parkhead. I mean, my abiding memory is after the second goal, and by this point I'm 20, 30 yards from where I started, and you glanced up at their Subutio, well, that's doing injustice, the Subutio scoreboard, and it's get Celtic nil, gets two, three minutes on the clock, and... I mean, every ball, All we, we, we don't even have to play good football. All we have to do is put a ball through the middle of their defence, high, low, anything. And I watched the highlights again, and I just started laughing. I don't mean the goals, I mean that first half hour. The ball, just, we've got so many runners, it's not Hately. I mean, you think, oh, Hately blew it away, she did with the first goal. Murray's bursting through, Jury's mm. bursting through. Miko, I mean, you're, I mean... 
I remember that night listening to Billy McNeil, and by the sixth time I watched it, I thought, just call him Miko. You've no chance of getting the <laughs> yeah, struggling, bless him. And, and, and um, it's fair to say that before that day, and Miko's played in a few old firm games by, by now, that the general consensus was this game just passes him by. He's too languid, too casual, um, and, well, he was sharp. I mean, he was absolutely on it. I think well, he was up for it. He took that first goal very well and just had the, the awareness and the, um, the, the, the the presence of mind to, to, to be around, to, to, to prod in that, that third. Andy, uh, young Andy McGowan, I mean, this, you know, John's seen it and done it. Um this is uncharted territory for you, surely. I've had an ecstasy because to go ahead so quickly and in a fashion, it was like, um, you know, you couldn't have scripted it better. They're funny bits. You're scoring a couple of explosive goals. I mean, Haley running through was a thing of beauty. Um, the shape of his finish was fantastic. They, they, they're, you know, buffoon-like defending is, is glorious. Uh, the pig sick within minutes. It, it was a great start, and then you know, then all the fun and games begin with the yeah, fan running in the park. And yeah, the, I mean, this is uh, the, the uh, scud myself to the right <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, so three 0 was when I mean, Walter Smith in his book, which came out late in nineteen ninety four, um, basically said, "Look, you can't legislate for all firm games." Lou McCarry and that Celtic team would have been in with great confidence going into that they were in a good run and he will not be able to tell you how this happened neither can I sometimes it just has, it's in a category of its own that's why the appeal will never fade and but even even for the old firm levels and tensions and mayhem I think we, we possibly went to, to new heights here um, 3-0 down in half an hour um, you got a Celtic fan Martin McCallum is uh, able to run onto the field of play and confront Ali Maxwell, but was stopped, I think, with purpose uh, by John Brown and, and, and Richard Goff. He was sentenced to two months in prison on the 25th of January. I was drunk, he said. I wanted to be banned, and it was little wonder, given what he was watching. Um, and it was then that the, the, the home crowd's vitriol was turned towards the real cul- culprits in, in their eyes, uh, who were sat up in the director's box. There was, I was going to say, friendly fire. Unfriendly fire would probably be better, but but I don't think it was a Rangers director, but a, a member of the Rangers party had to get stitches in the lip because they were hit by something. Um, asked, uh, Mr. Kelly was asked um, if if an apology was given. He said, "Well, David Murray never asked for one." Um, but there were coins and pies and famously Mars bars raining down on the Celtic board. Um, and John, it was arguably, uh, this is probably the nadir, actually, for a club that was kidding themselves on that they were in the same race as Rangers because that's what the table's telling us. Um, and not only were they not, but they, they, they couldn't be. Um, we get that John Collins goal to give them, right after the half time, to give them a wee bit of hope, but it was punctured. The, the, the forgotten Ukrainian big leg because then it's all volleying in to make it four. And Charlie Nicholas got a consolation that didn't really spoil a kind of happy new year. Um, but that Nadia was, in a way, a kind of perverse way, maybe something that needed to happen. If Rangers had, had won 1 0 that day, John, it was a tense game. One of those were Celtic are, in inverted commas, the better team, but, you know, Hately just powers, powers home a run at some point in the first half, and Rangers hang on for dear life. Um, this really sets 
things in motion and Celtic do get change um, within a couple of months. They not for the first time in this series have a nosedive in form. Um, after all this 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 unbeaten um, run before it, um, they lose their next two games and draw the following three. Um, but with no kind of sporting interest remaining, they could boycott and they could protest properly. Um, the current board at the last minute suggested a new share offer. Um, which Matt McGlone, who's obviously the chairman of a fans group, he questioned what would stop David Murray and every Masonic Lodge in the country from taking shares and exploiting it and taking control of of Celtic. Um, It would probably, this cartoon cavalcade then was probably at its, its lowest point and we maybe wouldn't have it easy or as easy for some time, John, um, because this really did kickstart change for them yeah I mean it was coming but this was the game that just opened every fissure and if you like fused all of the protest groups because they had loads of them I remember when it hit three and everybody was, talks about what went on in the main stand but my Biden memory is there were sporadic fights in the jungle between Celtic fans who said you had to stay and others who were trying to leave and saying, I'm getting out of here. Mm. And it it was, I don't think I thought it, but it was as low as they were going to get because it was just one of those, everything was there. They were demolished on the park. They were falling apart off the park. I mean, it was just surreal, you know, the guy attacked Maxwell. I think Brown got a couple of punches in, hit him with his hat. Derek Johnson was eating a Mars bar because they were playing. <laughs> they were fighting in the jungle. And they'd been built up to was Charlie Nicholas, not the sports mate. Was he not a pal? Was he not he was playing for them, but was he no spokesperson for Dempsey almost? Yeah. I mean they were talk, they were talking about it in the dressing room and they were are we boycotting? Are we not? Are we coming in late? Are we not? And then sort of McCarry kind of gave them that kind of, you know, hadn't lost a goal at home since, what is it, seven games until they play us. And then they've lost three in 29 minutes from our injury. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. our team and, and you, I mean, the back four and you're thinking, well, the smart thing is Gary Stevens the right back, you play him at right back. John Brown can play at left back, play him at left back. And Stephen Presley is saying, I'll put him beside Goff. But we've got Presley at right back, <laughs> Stevens at left back. And nobody looks at a position. I mean, it is weird. Okay, we've got Haley. But, I mean, our foot, sorry, the chances we create in that mm, first half, mm. it, and it just all blows apart. And I remember McCarry after the game, he actually starts talking about Rangers players, which they are not, Celtic managers are not allowed to do. Mm. And he said, oh, I knew for the start, saw so Big Haley, and I thought, he's up for it. Mm. And you're going, I remember sitting on the bus and I'm going, he doesn't know the script up here. He's not allowed to, he's supposed to say them and him. Yeah. And get, and it just all felt completely. And then they go to Far Hill and they lose their job to Shaw, who was a bit of a scourge for them around this time. He's a bit third winner in three years. And they're just falling apart. But they've been falling apart off the pitch for a while. Canvas Lang. I think that's the other thing in, in terms of our overall feeling this season. No matter how bad we are, 
you're looking across the city when even if you get beat with the United, you're looking at the never mind the scores and saying and you're just laughing. You're literally laughing because they are falling apart before your eyes and you know I think I don't think anybody believed they were going to go bust, but you knew they were a few years away from being challengers again and you were just enjoying it it was really I mean they were they were cartoon calculated it was hilarious you could not make up you could not cover all the antics they had I mean Andy will have stories you'll have stories everybody's got stories that remember and if you got together three of us it'd be like a three hour special easily going through well, it's the banter the years thing isn't it I mean, I, I mean this is the time or just a couple of months later when you know the cracked crest and um, on, on the, the front page of the Sunday Mail and um, it really looked like, like being the end Andy they, they did save it or Fergus McCann saved it looking back he was a figure of fun certainly in, in Rangers chat um, the wee guy with the bonnet and the specs who didn't know there was an old firm game going on when he was claiming he was such a big supporter and his plan seemed like a, another fantasy again remember the context of Canvas Lang and the, the Space Age Stadium that the Kellys and, the Kellys and Whites were going to build and, and all of that uh, and you've got Dempsey out in the, the, the car parks you know the Rebels of One with clear connotations there um, you were a lot younger at the time uh, but can you remember any kind of feeling that oh well this is this is going to change like here is the the, the turning point for them or was it another well, it's just another another character they've, they've they've brought out this this incredible cast that can be lampooned and he, he looks a bit funny and talks a bit funny with that kind of mid Atlantic thing um, can you remember any any kind of impact at that time? I can't remember there being any fear or apprehension of Fergus McCann rolling up. And I think you've got to appreciate how, how deep into comedy territory we were as Alan's alluding to. I mean, I, I was 16, 17, and my my hobby was sending in cartoons to Mark Dingwall for the follow follow fanzine. <laughs> and you'll see them in there, Martin. And they were all about, you know, pictures of Michael Kelly, uh, pictures of the Celtic board, pictures of the of Canvas Lamb, the Canvas Lang stadium was a toilet bowl stuff like this it was i was having a time of my life so we i think so sorry you, you were drawing before, these cartoons i used to draw oh this is a revelation there's a scoop for you a revelation <laughs> they'll, be in, they'll be in there somewhere if you're doing your research man through follow follow look out for my nom de plume which was cheeky chappy there you go follow follow <laughs> fanatics there we are <laughs> my word um but uh i think the most savvy rangers fans knew that it couldn't go on forever. There were signs of stability, but we still had but a long yeah. way to go before they would be coming close to us. Yeah, you still get that gap. What I find interesting is the, the kind of media campaign to oust the board and get change, and the fact that Scotland needs an old firm. It needs Rangers and Celtic. It needs a strong Celtic as well as a strong Rangers. Stuff that I, I don't imagine was overly prevalent, and I certainly haven't found it being overly prevalent in the early 80s, the other way. Certainly wasn't prevalent uh, from 2012 onwards. Um, here's Jerry McNee. Um, after 
change has, has come. Uh, this has to be this is in his Sunday meal column. Um, this has to be said that there are at least four people who still have to go. I won't rest till they do. For the best part of six years, I've campaigned here and elsewhere to help bring down a Celtic board rotten to the core. I have campaigned. This is a national, the voice of football, Jeremy McNee self-styled. The voice of Scottish football. It's common in a one team city, Newcastle United for example, in, in, in recent years, where you, you would have sports writers who are Newcastle fans, funnily enough, and writing for Newcastle titles um, about the kind of cancerous ownership that, that, that they were suffering at that time. Is it really appropriate for a city like ours to have a media as hell-bent on forcing change, or should we grow up and just accept that, you know, we know Jeremy Nees Lennings, he's written books about Celtic and has been a critic of Celtic, but a critical fan, I guess, for, for so many years. It, it, Andy, I'll start with you and then, then, then John. It, it's just an, it's an odd dynamic. And again, I'm not sure there, there was as much noise in the early 80s about the need for, for a strong old firm. No, I mean, that was the, the, the punchline that, you know, we need a strong Celtic. This is something we found particularly ironic, given exactly as you say, in the 80s when we were absolutely garbage, there was not one utterance of that kind of sentiment at all. Um, but you're right, it, it kind of exposed what we always suspected, which is that the, there was a large cohort in the fourth estate, which was basically, to, to use the term of the, of the 90s, Celtic-minded. And there were mobilised by the, the kind of uh, momentum that Matt McGlone and, and his fanzine uh, started. They just became an extension of that. And you're thinking about, um, well, Keevans was one, McNee was other. Um, but McNee was a fly one because he kind of straddled um, credibility because he was the, the commentator for Scottsport and, you know, his exclusives on a Friday night. I can exclusively reveal on, on a Friday night Scottsport. Um but it was like a, a political campaign. If you think about mm. we're very familiar nowadays with social justice campaigns and things like that that take form very quickly and gain momentum, and you would use social media nowadays. It was a forerunner to that um, very much. It's so. like, it, was, it was that kind of fuel. It's, it's like Martin Tyler or John Motson writing incessantly or talking incessantly about the Glazers, for example. Yeah. I mean... It, Again, I get the the local beat reporters in in, in, in in cities with only one club. I totally understand that. Um, but when he's, as I said, the self-styled voice of Scottish football, which I imagine covers the whole of football, which would suggest some kind of independence and objectivity. Um, yep, John, um, I've campaigned. Um, the days before fan media, eh? Yeah, like if you if you were being kind to the way it worked out in the early eighties, you could argue you Dundee United, Aberdeen, Celtic. So there was a competition in the early nineties. There was us, but there was this historic jealousy of us. And the times were changing, and we were moving from being, shall we say, conservative small C unionist. Mm-hmm. Um, to slightly less and also they get a free pass it's um, 
and you, Matt McGlone says it, what he says, but if you went to, and I'd be curious about you two, if you went to a non-denominational school, but I did, you had Celtic supporters, Thistle supporters, Aberdeen, mm. you know, wide spectrum. Rangers were the biggest support, but in my school, I'm not sure they were quite the majority, but that would be our latest. If you went to a Catholic school, they would almost all be Celtic fans. And there is that whole, and therefore you have it all the way through, and Matt McGlone, I mean, that is an outrageous statement. Uh, I mean, actually, if you look at what Fergus McCann did, he was, he took it on in a pure Calvinist, capitalist way. Yeah. I'm here for five years, I'll get you to top, and then I'm cashing out, and I'm taking my money, I'm going to make a lot of money in this deal. And he did what he said in the tin. I mean, he didn't, but that was his, I always thought that was the danger, not him, but of of them, that they moved away from that emotional, you know, knee-jerk, we're a celic, we've got a chip in the shoulder, and actually you ended up yeah, with a businessman yeah. who just yeah. saw things as black and white and didn't buy into any of the superstitious nonsense or hysterical yeah. stuff. And that was a risk, and that's where it was. But they, because of all of this, they get a free pass because they were representing the whole community in a way that if you were a Rangers fan, you know, say David Leggett coming out or whatever, you would get other people from what you might call the non-denominational community saying, hang on a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's that's nonsense. There'd be self-criticism, there'd be Aberdeen supporters, etc. and the United all say Motherwell all saying, No, you can't say that. That's not right. Which is true, it isn't right. And you can mm. But they've had a free pass forever. I mean, it, it has it actually changed over the past thirty years in any shape or form. It's probably got worse, I would argue, because it's more entrenched. And yeah, it, I mean, Kelly was the, what was it, uh, Michael Kelly was the, um, what do you call it, Love Provost of Glasgow. Yeah. Um, and then he goes on the Celtic board. And, I mean, it just was, but it was accepted that that's, what, that's how they did it. And because they were so poor and so laughable, we didn't see them at this point as being... What would you say? Competitive with this? They're I not. See yeah, it for a number of yeah. years. It's, it's just Which when, is true. It's just when it's going to be. And we'll keep an eye on it, obviously, as the show goes on. But I think at some time, at uh, some point, maybe near the end of this series, we'll we'll have to have a discussion about the the two different revolutions, I guess. There, there's, I don't know if you can call it a revolution, because it, it did take its time. Painstakingly so, I think if if you were a Celtic supporter, on too too slow and falling out with with players who are not paying enough and, and and all of that. Whereas ours was clearly, you know, if we go back to nineteen eighty six, yeah. um, an absolute smash bang. But that's for another day. Rangers at this yeah. this this winter, um, 
doing what they do. They're able to manoeuvre themselves out of, of a tricky position. There is a crushingly dull nil-nil draw at Pataudry on 22nd of January. Sooty Rangers perfectly kept as top um, between uh, before a run of seven league wins in the spin that really ended this chase in, in any kind of meaningful way. And once again, Gordon Jury is at the heart of it. We scored two and a 5-1 win over Thistle at Ibrox. The first and a 2-0 win over Hibs. The winner and a 2-1 win away to Wraith. The final goal on a 4-0 home route of St. Johnson and the equaliser at home in the vital match at home to Motherwell on the 5th of March. They were four points behind Rangers with a game in hand and this was realistically the last chance for Tommy McLean's team to keep their dream alive. And it looked promising. Paul Lambert rocketed a shot into the top corner in the second half but Jury responded with the help of a deflection to turn the tide and then it was his driving run and injury time that led to John Philbin's handball and a gift from the penalty spot that Hately was never likely to pass up. Um, fittingly, Mother One Aberdeen would draw that game in hand, leaving Rangers 5 clear with only 12 remaining. Um, by this point, it wasn't only... Gordon Jury's introduction was making the difference. Andy, Rangers will start to look like their old selves. Um, some heroes returning from the shadows. Andy Gorham came back for the game against Hibbs. Um, McCoy had recovered from that other operation that John mentioned. His, his hernia that kept him out since December. And now Watersmith is a, a, a full defensive options from which to choose. And even Duncan Ferguson is back in the squad. We should make note that just after New Year, 20,000 people, over 20,000 people, um, turned up at Ibrox to watch Rangers and Celtic in a reserve game, and Duncan Ferguson scored an equaliser. Um, really, only Ian Durant's absence was notable, um, as McCall uh, and Ferguson were starting to get their understanding together, Trevor Stephen was starting to roll back the years, um, McCoy and Haley got the band back together at, at Tynecastle, a goal apiece, and a 2-1 win, and the ultimate talisman, injury time away to, to party for this look for Hill, popping up um, with a brilliant, dramatic winner. Um, we should say that, that David Murray, undeterred by his um, caution and fine for talking about Rangers signing players publicly, um, he dismissed that and said the Rangers were likely to bid for Gary McAllister in the summer. Um, a remark that drew an official complaint from Leeds United. Um, but yeah, things coming... Coming back together, Andy, in this springtime. So, so earlier we spoke about the fact that we were considered to be poor and out of form, but still top of the league. And I think that this run of games was when we just nudged it up a wee bit to the point where you know we started to show a semblance of form. I think there was probably 11 games unbeaten between February to end of April, something like that. A couple of games drawn. But as you say, players were coming back in. There was... Notable for performances, Jury was certainly making a big difference in helping the load that was on Haley's shoulders, 100%. And, uh, I mean, the party for from Reeves, that the one? It was a last-minute winner. Yeah, the injury time. But it just pops up in the box, hurdles the, the advertising holdings. Because, again, you know, he's frustrated. He comes back from a broken leg, probably a bit too soon, scores the, the ridiculous winner in the cup final. But then, you know, his body really hasn't, isn't able to cope with that return and he's got a hernia problem and uh, and all of that but yeah things coming back you know, Rangers heroes coming to the fore when it mattered I guess in the early springtime as we were used to and a chairman talking about summer targets Scottish football was maybe correct to ask what had really changed well beware the transient illusion of football I guess I suppose Andy Gorham lasted two months before he injured himself again at Tannadice and a 0-0 draw and the chat was that he, he probably wasn't living his best life uh, off the pitch. And 
Smith increasingly tetchy all through this season in terms of his interviews um, about his size attitude he banned his players from speaking to the media uh, after a poor performance at home to Aberdeen Rangers won one uh, sorry drew 1-1 they were winning 1-0 an early goal for Stuart McCall um, he said the players have been hearing and reading too much about the league having been won they're only human and this sort of thing has taken the edge off their play um, but then when the media would criticise the you know the Rangers or criticise the rest of Scottish football Smith would get kind of tetchy as that you know this, this is not the case because Rangers have had to work really hard to achieve what they've done in recent times um, and he, he, he's kind of flip-flopping a wee bit um, but the, the where he got the, the most criticism guys was our return to Hamden, the new look Hamden for the Scottish Cup semi-final Rangers have defeated Hearts at Ibrox um, and getting there the first game on the Sunday live on telly was 0-0 and it was dreadful. I can't really describe how bad a game of football this was. The replay wasn't much better. Rangers in trouble again, but this time, well, as many times, it was Jury and Hately Jury doing all the running, Hately being in the right place at the right time. Almost certainly offside for the first and that ball probably didn't cross the line either. Somehow Rangers were in the final... Um, but the, the, can can we just have a brief word, maybe even a minute silence for that 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 first game against uh, Kilmarnock, John, because it summed up everything everything that was lifeless about this whole season. Yeah, we only turn up when we have to, don't we? Yeah, probably the worst thing Kilmarnock could have done was scoring against us in the replay. You know, they should have just played for penalties or whatever, the third replay or whatever it was going for, because. All the way through, we suddenly find that when the chips are down, and, and the you can always go to the well until the one time you go to the well, and actually you can. Um, but that's for maybe next week. But it is oh, the two games were crap, aren't they? I mean, Hamden was crap as well. The new look Hamden, you're like, oh, yeah. What was our what was our reflection? Like you just put seats yeah. in it. Yeah, because uh, it. it... I mean, I went to both games and I was in the north stand for the first and then behind the Rangers goal for the, the, the replay, but it was, uh, it looked good, but Andy, it didn't sound particularly good, there was no, I mean, to be fair, the game was not exciting anybody, neither game was, so, so maybe that, that, that maybe played into it, but um, it was all this money for, for, for this? It was total underwhelming, I mean... My opinion of Hamden Park's never changed since then. It's it was a missed opportunity. They they could have done something special because I think the money was significant. I'm not saying they could have built a stadium for the same money, but there was a kind of blinkered uh, myopic. We're staying at Hamden. This is the way forward. You know, MD's ever try to get to Hamden, making this into an episode about you know civic transport link to this <laughs> national stadium. If anybody's trying to get to Hamden by any means whatsoever, they know how hard it is. So even then, 16-year-old Andy's shooting his head saying, why are we doing this? And, and nobody really spoke up and, and, and applied any pressure. Nobody really cared. You know, everybody, Rangers fans are too interested in Rangers and the SFA, we hated them. And so it just happened. And then we go out there and we're like, okay, so you've plonked some seats in, can you see in the first 20, 30, 40 rows? And you've got a shiny new stand. <laughs> and that was about it. It was to- totally underwhelming. Still is. And they need to do it all again in a few years. Um, so, Rangers, this Rangers side then, um, physically, mentally shattered. I think that's very obvious. But they find reserves 
to ensure they got what they what they needed. That that replay, a perfect example. But you know, the apparent closeness in competition early in the season shouldn't mask the fact that this was a dull season of Scottish football with very little with which to recommend it. John, the one obvious exception, as I mentioned at the start of the show, apart from Ivan Golic and some of the, the colour there, was of course Mark Cately. Um He would be Player of the Year, the first Englishman to win that award. Terry Butcher, I would suggest, scandalously overlooked in 86-87. Uh, he don't care if Brian McClure scored 60 goals. Um, the two goals against Kilmarnock brought his tally to the season for 30. Um, unfortunately for Rangers, though, that, that, that second goal, that winner, would be the, his last of the season. He kind of finally run out of steam. But we are forever indebted for, for what he did that season because he was outstanding. Yeah, I mean, this was the, I mean, you think, but this is a starter, I would say, a run of three seasons where one man carries the team, maybe to yeah, greater yeah, or lesser yeah. extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, without him, if you look at it statistically, where were these goals that were going to turn all these losses and draws into victories? And it was it, it was one of those things, and and there was a kind of Scottish bias against giving it to the Englishman because there were we had a fair few decent English players, particularly in the period eighty six to ninety, uh, particularly Butcher in the first season. You see, who should have won it? And Trevor Stephen eighty nine ninety. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't get you don't go to Marseille for five and a half million because you've been playing pretty average. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and then in eighty six, eighty seven, it was all about well, he's a top goal scorer, and then the for you know, in the following season when he, I think McCoy's was still goal scorer, it was well, it's got to go to the top player on the top team when they won the league. So there always was this kind of bias, but no, I mean he carries it. It probably does him no favors, and I'm talking as in hindsight, as because as an individual player, I think this season takes its toll on him. I think 92-93 take its toll on Goran, McCoy's and a few others. I think he weathers that, but I think this is a season that, you know, we run him into the ground quite literally because he's probably got another half season after this and then he picks up a lot of injuries after that. And, and even, at, even at this stage, he's, no, even at this stage, he's talking about playing centre-half and extending his career that way. And, yeah. Um, nah, just, he wasn't a centre-half. I mean, Derek Johnson did it. He was a different player that way. But I think they tried. I don't know when they tried it. Was it this season or the next no, season? They, they, would, they, they would try it the following Saturday, which was um, a remarkable a remarkable day. We'll call it quits there. I think we've done well. Um, the, the, Hately getting all the plaudits. I would suggest, and I know he's not a glamorous player. I know he never scored against Celtic. Um but for all that, that, that Hately absolutely did drive that Rangers team on, the introduction of Gordon Jury that year is vastly underrated. Um, it's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Undervalued and, and unloved, I think, um, his impact on the team, his, his, his work rate and, and, and what he did off the ball, as well as chipping a new 12 goals in 20 games, 20 league games. Um, you know, that's that's not inconsiderable. And he he deserves, I think, a, a lot more plaudits than he gets. But anyway, um, we're nearly done with this, this horrendous season. Thank you, John. <laughs> Thank you. But actually, I actually have to this season to the one that's about to come up, so I'm not really well, too much. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. In terms of, in terms of silverware, it's not going to get much better. Uh, Andy, thank you. My pleasure, man. Uh, what, what happened that following Saturday afternoon could have been the perfect link between these two eras of Rangers history. On 16th of April, Rangers defeated Wraith Rovers 4-0 at Ibrox to go 7 points clear at the top with only 12 points left to play for, and the man who was supposed to take over from Hately in the long term finally got off the mark. Less than a minute into the second half, with Rangers already 2-0 ahead, Duncan Ferguson broke free from the left and clipped a beautiful strike into the corner of the net. The relief was palpable and Ferguson was booked for his over-exuberance. In an ideal world, this was a beautiful time at which to turn over to a new chapter. Hately had carried a team in his back as his young replacement adjusted to life at a big club and regained his fitness. And then, just as he himself was tiring, the baton could be passed over. In the real world, however, it was what Ferguson did in the first half that was more important and what effectively ended his Rangers career. Until next week, bye for now. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.